I'm going to ask our, our ushers and some of our team to work double duty this morning. I was putting together this message, and, uh, and it came together a lot differently than normal. Uh, I enjoy being a teacher. I love to teach. And the thing the Lord has been speaking in my heart over the last probably two months has been prayer. I've been reading books on it. I've been listening to sermons on it. I've been reading in the Bible about it. And then, you know, like with everything that we learn with the Lord, I've been praying about it. And so even praying about prayer. And so as it was coming time for me to, to get to share and to teach, I was putting together some what I thought was like some pretty good teaching, but then I was getting, I was also getting frustrated. And, and the, the difficulty was that I was, I was coming kind of face to face with my own inadequacy. Not inadequacy to put together a sermon, but my inadequacy to like, there is an element of prayer that cannot be taught and it has to be, has to be caught. So, so I've put together a, a, a lot of notes because there is still a time and a place for teaching, but I don't intend to get to all of it today. So what we've got, they're going to hand out some paper copies. So if you want a paper copy, wave your hand. But we've also made it digital. So if you just go to therock.org, a little banner will be right at the top. Tap that and you can have it digital. So if you like your phone, tablet, computer, and you want it digital, you can have it there, therock.org. If you want a paper copy, wave your hand. We've got some several copies going around. Okay, so there's, so like I was saying, there, there's probably like, I don't know, seven or eight pages in there. We're only going to get to about four. And so those, those other three or four, that's homework. <laughs> you take that home, you read over that, you apply it. It'll be, it, it, it's good things. It'll help us to grow in prayer. And I want us to grow in prayer. But my heart for this morning and what was causing this frustration as I was wrestling with the Lord is we are, we are long past a season of just incremental growth. We can't just have slightly better prayers. This isn't just like self-help and self-improvement. We need a move of God and we need his spirit of grace and his spirit of, of prayer and supplication, pleas and cries for mercy. We need that to erupt in us. And I can't teach you into a place of prayer erupting out of you. I, I cannot instruct you well enough to get you to a place where your heart burns for intercession. That just, that doesn't happen. I can give you some pointers. I, I can teach you some things that will be helpful. Uh, I, I can even give you a bunch of scriptures that will help shape how you pray. But that desire to pray, that comes from God. And so this morning, my big heart is that um, we would cry out to God to help us pray to God. We need God to love God. We've run into that before. Some of you have felt that in, in, your, in your humanity, in your weakness, that you're like, I want to love God more, but sometimes I fall short. And so we cry out to God, God, give me a grace to love you more. It's same with prayer. God, I need you to even pray rightly. Because without God, my prayers become selfish so even when I do remember to pray, they still are flawed and erred and, and weak, and they miss the mark. And so uh, we are going to cry out to God this morning for a gift of grace to empower us to pray well, okay? But I also want to encourage you. I, I didn't realize it at first, but this isn't the, the first time that the Lord has put prayer on my heart. Two years ago, October of 2021, the Lord had given me a dream, and, and I, was, I felt this urgency for prayer. 
And so I spoke about it. We, we were feeling it as a leadership team. Yeah, we need to pray. And since then, it's been interesting as I looked back, it's affected even some of our programs and some of the, the resources and how we, how we do things. Um, it, I, I, and I don't want in any way to say like, oh, all of this was because of me, but it's just interesting. The Lord highlighted prayer in 21, and later that summer in, in 22, uh, we started Maranatha. We started doing a summer of prayer, and we did that again this year. Um, we shifted our Wednesday nights from a service where it was a lot of worship and teaching to into the chapel where we began to do worship and prayer. And so the Lord has highlighted prayer before, and we responded well. He, he gave us an invitation, and we stepped into it. But, but what I'm realizing now is we've, we've stepped into the shallow end of the pool, and there is still a whole deep end for us. And so good job, church, on responding to the call of God that when he said, hey, we, we need to step into prayer, we, we said yes to the assignment of being a house of prayer and to engaging in prayer even in our Sunday mornings, but there is still so much more for us. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, but I also want to challenge you that, that there is still more. And, and for those of you who've been praying for decades, thank you for your prayers. But there's probably still more, even for you. And so all of us have, a, have an area to continue to grow and mature in this. And, and that's some of what I want to share this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4, these are, these are familiar verses. We, we reference them a lot. We, we've looked at them before. We've seen them. So this isn't necessarily going to be a whole teaching. This is just a reminder. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we are not waging war according to the flesh. And what's great about, about these passages, and we'll look at one more in Ephesians, what's great about these is, is um, Paul is writing under the assumption that you already recognize that we're in a war. He's just telling you what kind of war it is. But I think it's easy sometimes to, to just sort of get lulled into routine and to lose sight that like, there is real warfare happening. And we don't always see it in the natural. We don't always perceive it. Sometimes it's beyond us. Sometimes we don't understand it. But there is real warfare happening. And so when Paul's writing this, it's not a, well, someday, if you engage war, this will, you know, it will be spiritual. He's saying, no, 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 we're already in it. We're in the thick of it. We're on the front lines. And it's spiritual. He says, get your eyes off the flesh. It's, it's spiritual. But he also encourages us that we have divine power for pulling down these spiritual strongholds. Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says a final word. He's ending a, a letter to a church and he's encouraging them and he says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And again, he's not saying like if you go to war or if you're, you know, kind of one of those like super Christians that does some spiritual warfare stuff. This is, this is for the whole church. This is for everyone. He's saying, put on all of God's armor, all of the time. And then in verse 12, he continues. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's all spiritual. It's not against the flesh. And then if you skip down just a little bit to verse 18, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we understand that it's warfare. We understand that it's all spiritual. This isn't about another person. This isn't about 
people. This isn't even about politics. It is, it is spiritual. And, and as I was preparing this week, um, the Lord gave me a, another dream. So a dream kicked off prayer two years ago. Dream, I, I was already, the Lord was already speaking to me about prayer, but as I was preparing a message, the Lord gave me another dream. And uh, it was unique because in it, um, there was like uh, these, I don't want to get into too, too much into details because like dreams sometimes are strange and the imagery and whatever. But what the Lord was speaking, the essence of it was I'd run, I'd run to get a weapon and I'd, I was looking for a weapon in, in the closet, which to me spoke of like the prayer closet. And I was looking for the weapons and I was finding ammo tins and I was finding like ammo uh, like boxes and I was pulling them all open. And instead of being ammunition in there, it was all just junk food. And it was like, you know, an ammo tin full of like guacamole and chips. And, and in the dream, I'm like, that's so weird. Like, this, that's r- ridiculous. And so I'm, I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And then finally I find a rifle and I, and I grab it and I open up the, the magazine. And there's, there's ammo in it, but they're ice cubes in the shape of, of bullets. And they're, and they're melting. And I wake up from the dream and I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, what is this? Because I don't... I don't dream very often. So when I do, I'm asking the Lord, like, Lord, what is this? And I felt really clearly, like, there is a, let me see how I wrote it down. Uh, the Lord was speaking to me that our prayers are weak and ineffective. That was, the, that was the, the ice that was melting. It looked hard, and it looked like it was in the right shape, but it was, it was quickly, like, just dripping into, I was going to have a squirt gun by the end of it. And then the, the junk food was where I thought I had stockpiled ammo, where I thought I was building up these, these weapons in the spiritual. It was all just, it was just junk food. And it was temporal things. It was entertainment. It was things of, of little value, things that had no impact, things that, that wouldn't help me in a spiritual war. And so I was, I was convicted. I was like, Lord, like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. And so, so where I had already been in the, the topic of prayer, this shook me up and pulled me back to those previous dreams. And so I was going through my journal, and it's, it's good. You guys should journal when the Lord speaks things to you because you think you'll remember it, and then you get a week, three weeks, six months out, and you're like, what did he say? So I was going back through my journal, and I was seeing like, oh, God, you spoke these things to me. And you even brought people into our house and into my life that are, that are powerful in the place of prayer. You know, we had Lou Engel in here a couple times, and, and I'd hear his messages, and I'd get so fired up for prayer. But then, you know, a week, a month, sometime later, and it just feels like that, that fizzles. Or I'd hear uh, Corey Russell, man, he fiery man, like filled with a spirit of prayer, and, and it would stir me. And I'd start to pray, and I'd say, okay, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to pray well. And then, you know, that lasted for a little while, and then my alarm sort of later and later and later, and and the Lord was walking me through this of like, hey, I called you to this thing and, and you've been trying to do it in your own strength and it's not cutting it. And it's not, it wasn't an, an indictment on, on my desires because I think in my spirit it was like, Lord, I want to pray. Like I hear you calling us to intercession. I want to say yes. But it was a revealing of the weakness of our flesh and our inability in our own strength. And so it wasn't that oh, well, you're awful and you're doing it wrong. It was, you cannot do this apart from me. And he'd, ex- he'd kind of just shown like a good father, hey, you've been trying it. You've been doing it your way. Why don't you ask me for help? Why don't you do it my way? And I was like, oh, Lord, you're so good. I need to do that. 
So, so that pulls me to the scripture. Anytime we're like, okay, Lord, I need you. Anytime we're trying to do anything, man, scripture's a great place to run. And so I'm like, okay, God, let's square one. Like, let's start from step one. How do we, how do I pray? How do I need to do this? Because I'm recognizing I can't do it in my own strength. And I'm recognizing even when I do it, and I do it from the place of my own strength, maybe I am waking up early, maybe I am praying more than usual, maybe I am remembering God, I'm still doing it with weakness. I'm still doing it with immaturity. I'm still doing it with um, just too much flesh. You know, I'm, I'm praying selfish prayers, or I'm praying only for myself, or I'm praying only for my comfort. And so I was like, Lord, even when I do accomplish what I set out to do, I'm still doing it poorly, so I, I gotta learn from you. And so I went to Matthew 6, and Matthew 6, verse 9, this is where the Lord teaches his disciples how to pray. And he says, pray then like this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as I was going through that, I was, was trying to approach it from like first principles. Like forget that we've heard this a hundred times and just approach it like it's brand new. What is this order and what is he communicating to us? And, and what we see is this. He, he starts with praising God. And I'm so thankful for our worship team this morning. They are, they are so in tune with what the Spirit is doing. We were singing holy, holy, holy we probably said it like 200 times <laughs> this morning because we were worshiping him. We weren't singing songs about how God makes us feel good. We weren't singing songs about how God's going to give us a great life. We were singing songs about his beauty and his majesty and how worthy he is. And that's how, that's how prayer should start. And prayer doesn't have to be heads bowed, hands folded. Like, I don't, I don't know how you were raised. I don't, I don't know what context you have for prayer. Maybe if I say prayer, you, you, think of, you think of something very religious and very routine. Prayer is our conversation with God, but he's taking us further than that. So, so even while we're worshiping, there's still an element of prayer there because we're in communion with him. We're connected with him. We're, we're, we're coming face to face with him. We're in his presence. So, so it's, it's so broad, but, but as we mature in prayer, we understand that it's more than just talking to him, right? It's, it, it starts there, and that's certainly a big piece of it, talking with God, but it's also waiting on the Lord. It's also listening to him. It's also being instructed by him. And then it's also taking his word and bringing it before him and, and asking that it would be accomplished. And, and we begin to see that in his prayer. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, but it begins with... Father in heaven, recognizing where God is and where we are and praising him. Hallowed be your name. That's a fancy way of saying you're really holy. We're less than that. And then Jesus continues, verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So before we make it anything about us, we're getting our priorities right. First about praising God, esteeming him rightly, seeing him in his proper place. He's powerful the creator of the whole universe, like this is who we're approaching in prayer, not some idol who can't see or hear or say anything. This is the God of the universe, the Lord of heaven's armies, and we're approaching him. So we see him rightly. We esteem him. <laughs> Thank you. 
And then we're talking about his will, talking about his plans, not what Andrew wants, what God wants. And so we say, your kingdom come, your will be done in the same way on earth as it is in heaven. Don't let us muddle it up or mix it up. Lord, how you've got it, your perfect plan, make it happen here. Then we turn to our needs. Give us today our daily bread. And what's beautiful about this is uh, our daily bread is, is a, a few different things. The, the scriptures are always like this, where there's layers. You peel them back. You think your daily bread, like, okay, yeah, like, Lord, give me my rations. Give me what I need to eat. But you peel that layer back a few more times, and, and you just see that there's so many, so many things to it. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is our daily bread. We see that it's his presence. We see that it's his, his word. We see that it's all these different things. And so, so when Jesus is praying this, he's, he's praying all those different layers. And, and, and I think he knows it. And he's, he's intentional about every word. It's not just, Lord, give me the food I need for my stomach. Because that goes in you and that comes back out of you and that does little. But give me the word that will sustain me. Give me the word that will carry me. So that's what we're going to unpack we're going to look at this a little bit. We're going to see what it looks like to esteem him rightly. Flip, if you can, to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. This is a fun passage. If we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, where we start by esteeming him rightly, seeing him correctly, Isaiah 40, verse 12 is a really great way to do this. It says, I'm going to read out of the NLT. It says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? right? That's, that's a task. <laughs> who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? That's impressive. That's, you put that on your resume and that's, that's really something. I think of who has measured off the heavens with his fingers. I was curious and so I googled it. The heavens, the observable universe, is estimated to be 93 billion light years wide. 93 billion light years. This is a number we can't easily comprehend, so I want to to just break that down for just a second. 93 billion light years. If you are traveling at the speed of light, which is an unfathomable speed, you travel at the speed of light for an entire year. That is one light year. Then you do that, no pit stops, bathroom breaks, or, or food stops. You do that for a thousand years, And then you take that chunk and you repeat it another thousand times. So we've got a a light year, a thousand of them, and that becomes our measuring chunk. And you do that a thousand times. That now gets you to a million light years. Now you take a million light years and you do that another thousand times. And that makes one billion light years. And then you do that whole chunk another 93 times. And that's the observable universe. That's what they can see. They estimate that there's probably still something beyond that, but that's... I mean, that's incredible, and they, that's what they're seeing, and so they're like, wow. And the Lord's up there, like, as if he forgot his tape measure and is just like, let me, yeah, it's about that big, right? Like, that's, that's the God we're praying to. That's who we're approaching. And, and that's exciting, but I think sometimes that also, um, that becomes a, a, a judgment against us in a little way of, if I pray small prayers, it's because I'm not seeing God rightly, right? If I, it, like, I, I think that small prayers might, might even insult God because he's up there. He's got all the stars and all the galaxies and all the heavenly hosts and everything around him. 
And, and then he hears like, oh, Andrew's praying. And he tunes in and he's like, Andrew, what do you need? And I'm like, Lord, if you could, if it's in your power, if you're not too busy. And he's like, oh gosh, you clearly do not understand who I am. And so that's why we need God to help us. Because even in our prayers, we're still like, we're, we're just, we're not, we're missing it. We can't fathom how powerful and how great and how strong and how majestic he is. But our prayers, as, as he begins to reveal himself to us, our prayers should reflect that. Our prayers should be, should be big. Uh, Mark Batterson says it this way. He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. I think that's true. I think we need to pray bigger prayers, because if that's who God is, then we should not insult him with small things. We should ask big. We should ask for miracles. Because if you pray a small prayer and it happens, that isn't miraculous. God gets no glory. If I pray that I have a decent day today, and then I have a decent day today, I don't run out into the streets and be like, oh my gosh, you got to hear what God did for me. I had a decent day. <laughs> right? What kind of testimony is that? <laughs> Who gets saved because they're like, this guy prayed and he had a decent day. <laughs> we got to pray big things. God will answer big prayers. It's not hard for him. It's hard for us. And that's why we have to pray. Okay, so, so step one, we have to esteem him rightly. And then two, we have to pray God's will, not ours. We have to pray God's will and not ours. And, and Pastor Mike was hitting on this, that, that we could jump straight into praying for Israel, but we really have to hear, God, what are you doing? And I had to do this when the news was starting to break. I had some friends text me and they're like, oh, did you hear what's happening? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, we need to pray. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, God, I have no idea how to pray. Like, I, I, I want to go to scripture and I want to pray some of these things, but my Bible reading plan just has me finishing up Jeremiah where it's actually the Lord's will to crush, to crush Jerusalem. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to pray that. Like, that sounds awful. I want to pray Psalms where it's like, you know, pray for the, the peace of Jerusalem. And so I want to pray that. But, but then, uh, you know, I don't want to pray, God, destroy all your enemies because it's like, well, as a Christian, like, Lord, I know that you want to save every person. So it's not rain down bombs on them because I know there's salvation. So I'm, I'm starting to confuse myself. I'm thinking of all these different scriptures and I'm like, Lord, what are, what are you doing? And, and it's giving me pause. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to pray wrong. I don't want to pray against what you're doing. But I need to, so I need to understand what are you doing? And there's a great story of this in, in Colossians. Colossians chapter four, verse two. We're going to read between the lines a little bit with this one. So follow along. It says, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that, so Paul is writing to a group and he's asking them to pray. He says, pray that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. So where is, where is Paul writing this from? Is this an email shot from like, Hey, I'm out on vacation, but here's a quick note from the beach. Where is this coming from? Prison. He says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. If I was in prison and I was writing to a bunch of believers, you know what I would ask them to pray for? <laughs> Get me out of prison so I can do the will of the Lord. That's what I'd pray. In Ephesians, 
chapter 6, we read, we read 18, but if you jump to the next verse, 19, it says, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul's in prison again. (laughs) Might be the same prison sentence, I'm not sure, but a second letter is going out to a totally different church. He's in prison. And you know what he's not thinking of? He's not thinking of Acts 12. James is put in prison. He's killed by King Herod Agrippa. Peter gets arrested, and the church prayed earnestly for him, and it results in a totally miraculous deliverance. An angel comes in the middle of the night, wakes Peter up, and says, hey, let's get out of here. Peter thinks it's a dream and thinks in the dream that he's getting up and the chains fall off and he walks out of open gates. And then he gets outside and he realizes, someone pinched me. This isn't a dream. This was a miraculous deliverance. He goes to the house where the the church is praying for him, knocks on the door, and they're like, it can't be him. He's in prison. And they don't even open the door for him at first. That happened before these letters are written. So Paul understands miraculous deliverance out out of prison. In fact, in Acts 16, you know who gets miraculously delivered out of prison? Paul. Paul and Silas are put in chains, and they're worshiping, and they're singing, and it's the middle of the night, and an earthquake hits. All the jail cells fling open, and the jailer gets saved. That happens in Acts 16. These letters, the the Colossians and the Ephesians, those are written after that. So Paul is knows of miraculous deliverance. He's witnessed miraculous deliverance. And in this moment, he's asking the church to pray for boldness to preach the gospel. He understands that chains can't hold back the will of God, but they might actually be a part of it. He's so in tune with the will of God that he's not asking for a miracle deliverance. He's asking for a miracle salvation. And I think, man, that is a level of maturity I haven't gotten to yet in my prayers. I'm not... I'm not that in tune because I would just see in the natural and be like, clearly, you're an apostle. You should not be in chains. You need to be out there preaching. And he says, no, no, no. This is why I should go to Jerusalem. I know that chains await me, but I need to go. Paul was so in tune with the will of God. When we pray, our prayers have to come in alignment with his will. Not with what we think makes sense. And sometimes, depending on which scripture you're looking at, because I would look at, if I was in prison, I'd be like, Acts 12, Lord, do Acts 12. I'm praying Acts 12. That's scripture. <laughs> but he's looking at a different passage. He's looking at, you must suffer for me. You must pick up your cross. And you must be willing to do this for me. He's looking at, the, at, at Jesus' example of, oh, I came to lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I'm giving it. And so Paul's here knowing that I'm giving my life because this is opening doors to judges and kings and rulers who otherwise would never hear the gospel. Wow. Okay. All right. So now we esteem God rightly. That's number one. Two, we've got to understand what he's doing. We've got to spend time waiting on him, listening. Okay, God, what, what is it you're speaking? What is it you're saying? So that it can fuel our prayers. And then thirdly, we pray our needs. God, your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. But our greatest need is Jesus. 
That is our greatest need. In John 6.35, Jesus replies to a group. He had fed them once already, and they were following him because they wanted to get fed again. They were like, man, free meal. You just follow Jesus around. He'll talk for a while, but then there's bread and fish afterwards. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will, will never be thirsty. And as I study this, this, this chapter, John 6, I'm realizing it's better to miss a meal than to miss the daily bread of God's word and time with him. And this was something that the Lord was walking me through about, about two months ago. I, I would try to set my alarm early so I could get up and before the distraction started, before I had to get the, the girls ready for school, I, you know, I'd read, do my devotions, spend time in prayer, start my day off right. But sometimes, either a late night or didn't sleep well or whatever, hit the snooze too many times, and I jump up and I realize, ooh, it's not time to do everything I want to do. I got to skip something. And because I love breakfast, I'm going to skip this. Like, I'll catch up on my devotion later. I'll catch up on my prayer later. You know, I'll have a break. Uh, I'll do it before bed. Different times. And I was doing that. Not all the time. But every once in a while, I wouldn't have time to do everything. And I was like, well, I could cut breakfast, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not fasting today. And so I would, I would cut, cut my devotion. And the Lord would confront me with this John 6. And he was like, I don't, I don't think that's what you mean to do. Like you are prioritizing this temporal thing over this supernatural thing. You're, you're prioritizing a temporal thing over an, a, an, an eternal thing. In John 6, 27, just a few verses before this, he says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And what he was, what he was speaking to me about this, because there was a part of me that was like, well, I don't know, Lord. Like, you're telling me if I don't have time, then I should cut breakfast. Like, that feels, that feels kind of legalistic. Like, that I can't eat until... I've, I've eaten the word of God, that I can't eat actual breakfast until I've done this. And he released me that. He said, no, 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 it's not religious. It's not legalistic. He said, it's just priorities. He said, if your house was on fire and your grass needed to be mowed, which are you going to do? You're going to be out there like with the mower and be like, let it burn. This is important. Got to get this yard right. HOA is going to write me a letter. <laughs> if you're in an accident, and you're bleeding, but you've also got a hangnail, are you going to be like, hey, does anyone have, does anyone have a nail file? <laughs> does anyone have an emery board? You know, I got this one hangnail. It's like, no, no, no. You take care of the, the, the biggest, the, the hottest thing, the, the worst thing, whatever. You take care of number one priority, number one. And I was getting my priorities out of, out of, out of whack. And, and the Lord spoke to me through John 6, because this is, this is how we learn the will of the Lord, is through the word of the Lord. He was speaking to me through John 6, and he was saying, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. John 6, 27. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. So now what that does is two things. If I don't want to be hungry, I have to get up when the alarm goes off. Can't hit snooze. And, and I'm learning, like, okay, if I hit snooze, you know, I better take a bar with me to, on my way to, to school drop-off. Like, I, I don't have time to, to do all this because there's only, there's only so much. And so I'm learning to reprioritize. I'm learning this above all else. That's how my Bible says it in Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above even breakfast if it has to. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Some of your Bibles might say, seek first the kingdom. But sometimes we're like, well, I'll seek first the kingdom, but after I've done this, and I've got to take care of this, and this needs to be done, and the kids are up, and I've got to have this responsibility. I, I think it's just seek first. So I love the Lord's Prayer, and I'm encouraged by the prayers of Jesus. And one of the things that I observed as I, was, as I was reading through his prayers in the New Testament, and I'd encourage you to do that too, it's not in your packet for your homework, but, but go and do those, is that God speaks when we pray. If you're having a hard time hearing the voice of the Lord, and you need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord in this season, you need to learn how he speaks and what he speaks through the word, and then you, you hear him when you pray. And, and I want to show you three examples. Luke chapter 3 Verse 21, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Then a few chapters later in Luke chapter 9, it says in verse 28, About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Then a voice from the clouds said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And again in John 12, verse 27, during Jesus's final week, it says now, Jesus uh, talking with his uh, disciples, he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? He says, but this is the very reason I came. So then instead of praying, Father, save me, he turns and he says, Father, bring glory to your name. It's short, but it's still technically a prayer. And it says, then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Three times we see God speak audibly to Jesus, and other people witness it. And all three times it's while he was praying. I think that's interesting. And I think if we, if we want to hear God's voice more, we'll hear it in the place of prayer. I think we'll learn what it sounds like through the word so that, so that when it happens, we'll recognize it because it won't always be a thundering, audible voice. Often, more often than not, it's a still, small, it's just like a, a whisper or an impression or a thought. And it, and it touches our heart. But you can recognize it and you can learn to recognize it by reading the word but you hear it in the place of prayer when you sit and you wait. Because not all prayer, like we said, not all prayer is talking. It's, it's also listening. So there's a ton of practical things that I can give you. Okay, we're going to pray. How, are we gonna, how do we do it? Well, wake up a little bit earlier. Try to get in a time that doesn't have distractions. For me, once the day starts moving, it's a lot of distractions. It's a lot of, I think I'll have more time than I actually do. And I, I look up and I think, man, where did the hours go? It's hard for me once the day gets rolling to pray. So there's a practical thing about, man, do it early. Wake up before anyone else in your household and, and, and do it then. Set your alarm. Don't hit the snooze. Maybe give up something that you're already doing. If you, you know, maybe that John 6 hits you and you're like, man, I always, I'm religious about making time for meals. Maybe I need to get religious about meeting with God. 
Um, so maybe you sacrifice something that you're already doing. Maybe you give up a hobby or let go of some entertainment. Maybe you exchange some junk food for some actual ammunition. Maybe you get built up in the spirit in this way and not, not in, in the natural. But the most practical thing we can do is we can ask for God's power when we pray. And, and that's not necessarily like, God, I want to see huge miracles and do this. That's awesome, and I hope we get there. But the miracle of that I can meet with the creator of the universe and talk with him, that's a miracle. And, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. We shouldn't water it down or treat it as common. God is amazing, and we get the opportunity to talk to him. I mean, people like lose their mind and faint if they get to talk to a celebrity. We get to talk to God, <laughs> the ever-living, uncreated being. Like That's mind-blowing that he wants to hang out with us. And he makes himself available whenever. Like He's not booked out. I don't know if you've checked his calendar. He is totally available to talk to you anytime you make time for him. So we're going to ask for his power. I want to show you one last verse, and then the rest of that packet is just for your benefit as you as you go home, but Zechariah 12, verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12, in its context, is an end-time passage. And band, if you want to come up, we're going to go into ministry time after this. It's an end-time passage. And so this is um, a prophetic word about, um, you know, on or after Jesus' second coming. That's what we mean by end-time passage. And, and so when it says then, that's what it's talking about. But what we learn from end time passages is the will and the nature and the heart of God. So as we read this, we're going to see what he wants to do in the future. And that gives us license to begin to pull on that now and say, okay, God, if this is in your heart and in your character and in your nature, then we can begin to ask for a portion of this now. Maybe you won't do it exactly like you will then, but we can at least begin to pull on it now because we know it's in your heart and you're planning to do it. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. It says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer. Your Bible might say supplication or pleas for mercy on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. What we're asking for is this spirit of grace and prayer. We talked about recently that grace is not a license to sin. It's not like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace is the empowerment of God to live differently. And so what we're asking for is the empowerment of God to pray, that a spirit of grace and a spirit of prayer or a spirit of crying out for mercy, a spirit of, of pulling on heaven and asking that God would do his will on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for this grace and this empowerment because we we can't do it on our own. We're, we're too weak. We fall short. We'll get excited in a message like this and say, yeah, I'm going to pray. And maybe we do it Monday and Tuesday, but by Thursday, it's like, oh, I, I, I got busy, you know. And, and that happens. And it's happened to me. And that's where I've been. But in this last season, like as the Lord's brought it again, I've been, I've been asking him, Lord, pull me through this. Like I'm, I'm hitting resistance. Lord, pull me through it. Lord, give me grace in this thing so that I can do it by your power because I can't, I can't do it in my own nature. I can't do it in my own strength. God, I need you to empower me to pray and to pray rightly. So that's, that's what we want to move into. That's what this next, I don't know, give us some time. We tried to jump into the message early and tried to wrap it up early and I gave you some homework so that I didn't show up too much of this time because just talking about prayer isn't enough. We need a touch from heaven. So would you all stand with me?
We're going to ask God to pour out on us a spirit of grace, a spirit of prayer, a spirit of supplication, a spirit of cries and pleas for mercy. Just begin to pray. Set your heart and your affection on God. Stir yourself up in in your spirit. Tell your body, hey, we're going to come into alignment with this word. Father, we acknowledge you. And we see Jesus' example of praying. He prayed all night before he chose the disciples. He prayed in the garden. He was praying as he launched into public ministry, 40 days of prayer and fasting. We see him disappear early in the morning to go pray and disappear at at different times. He was always praying. And as we follow Jesus' example, Lord, we want to be people of prayer. Father, we ask that in your generosity, would you pour out a spirit of grace and of prayer. Holy Spirit, begin to move even now to give us an impartation of prayer. Lord, it's not enough to just to get excited intellectually about prayer. It's not enough just to see that, oh, this is a good benefit. It's not enough to, to see, oh, this is a good discipline. This is a behavior I should be doing. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to, to create a hunger in our heart to commune with you. Holy Spirit, we need your empowering grace to give us the, the strength to prayer, the strength to pray, to give us uh, the strength to approach you, the strength to see you rightly. We need you to give us revelation of your will so we can pray in alignment with what you're doing, not our own thoughts, not our own ideas, not our own understanding, but to pray in alignment with your will. We need your Holy Spirit to give us revelation of who you are so we can see you rightly, so that we can remind ourselves of, of just who it is that we're talking to. Holy Spirit, we need you in greater measure. We need you in greater measure. We need you to overcome our our natural, our flesh, the thing that wants to hit snooze, the thing that wants to to feed our, our stomachs, the thing that wants to do something else. Holy Spirit, we need you to reprioritize our life. Not that we'd get caught up in some sort of legalism, but that we would see priorities rightly, that we wouldn't be ridiculous about our lives but we would recognize the eternal and the temporal and we would regard them appropriately. Holy Spirit, come set our hearts on fire to burn for the place of prayer. Lord, we pray that intercessors would not be fringe, that they wouldn't be just the few, that we wouldn't regard them as some sort of just, oh, those are the elite. We, We couldn't aspire to that. Lord, awaken our hearts that you've called this entire church to be people of prayer. That every believer who cries on your name is supposed to, supposed to wear out their knees in the place of prayer. Lord, this isn't just something for, for ministers or for, for vocational church, church leaders. Lord, this is for every person. You've called all of us to prayer. Yeah, Father, we thank you for your goodness. It is your goodness to speak to us like this.